welcome to the Wealth and Purpose Podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to creating wealth in a way that feels really good and live their purpose fully in the process. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive business coach. I'm also a wife, a mom to two preteens, a professor, Girl Scout leader, and well, hey, you get it. Like you, I wear a lot of hats. Whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey everyone, it is Patty here. And today I have someone that I think you are all going to be excited to hear from, learn from, learn more about her story. It's certainly something that's intriguing me. And I don't even know her whole story yet. And I cannot wait to jump in and ask her questions. The her I'm referring to is Catherine Simeonko. She is a leader in the women's movement in this country right now, this country being the U.S. So for those of you who are listening outside the U.S., thank you for being here. She is also the coordinator of the Women's March in New York City, which is the Women's March I attend, and it is an amazing experience. So with that, Catherine, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here, girl. Okay, so um, when this recording goes live, the elections will have taken place. We'll know the results. But right now, at this moment, as we are speaking, we do not know <laughs> what the results of the election will be. We're recording it on election day. So there's a certain energy, I think, around you, I would think. So how are you feeling today? I'm excited. This is an exciting time to to be alive. Did you know that today, 256 women, more than ever before in history, are on the ballots? This is incredible. No matter what happens today, we are moving in the right direction in this country. Ugh. I love that. I love that focus. And I love that we're able to capture this energy (laughs) without the results in. So this is awesome. So... You know, when you think about wealth, because I I think just what you said to me, without knowing what your definition is, that's a piece of wealth. The, you know, the feeling that women and as a woman have full, full visibility and full representation and a seat at every table is for me part of being a wealthy nation. And what is your personal definition of wealth? This is a question I ask every um, guest. So feel free to just riff on whatever it is. There's no right answers here. I actually divide wealth into two areas. So there's wealth of assets, which is the traditional definition. How many assets do you have that you can liquidate and or spend to obtain something? Then you have the wealth of spirit. And this is what keeps me up every night. Is my spirit fulfilled? And therefore, am I happy? So you have the two. What I struggle with most is not wealth of assets. It's it's wealth of spirit. Hmm. Nice. And I think for so many people who are pursuing wealth with the goal of living their purpose, this is where the big conflict comes in is, you know, is my, does my spirit feel as abundant? Does my soul feel as relevant in my daily life as my ego does or my personality or, you know, the materialistic drive that, you know, most of us feel at least maybe we're not willing to sacrifice for it, but, you know, we live in a world that's 
dictated by, you know, money and um, money relates to power. So it comes up, right? And so it's where do you, where do you draw the line? Where does the pursuit of creating wealth in terms of assets blend with the pursuit of wealth of spirit. So how has that worked out for you? Because you're doing something, you know, badass in the world. Like, you know, most of us are like, you know, we've got our own personal missions and we're doing them the best of our ability. But girl, you've done something freaking phenomenal. So how has that worked out for you? Yeah, well, first, I, w- I want to say that I came from banking. So I, I was at J.P. Morgan and recruited over to Goldman Sachs. So I worked at two of the, the largest um, and competing banks in the world right on Wall Street. And as a woman on Wall Street, I have seen wealth in, in all of its forms. I've seen people lose wealth on the same day. I've seen people become wealthy on you know overnight. And so I have a great um, you know, vision of, of what wealth can and, and cannot be. But what I want to say is that when it comes to wealth for me, when it comes to wealth as far as assets are concerned, you have to ask yourself this question. What do you need it for? What are you using it for? So if you're struggling with wealth and purpose, ask yourself that question. Why do I need this wealth? What am I using it for? And if the answer comes back very selfish, I want more materials, I, 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 then you know you're not meeting your purpose, right? Because a purpose is community driven. A purpose is never selfish. So if you want to find that nice balance between wealth of assets and wealth of spirits, you have to ask yourself, why? Why are you using those, those assets? Why do you need them? Why are you seeking them? And be honest. Well, so actually, let me push back on you about that because I was just at an event. I mean, I I appreciate what you're saying and I agree with it. I was at an event just a couple of weeks ago speaking and one of the other speakers guided the group through an exercise about, you know, what, if you could magic wand your life, what would you change? And we were partnered. And the woman across from me with tears in her eyes said, I would have no more debt and I would have a lot of money. And then the next question was why? And she said, so I could give more abundantly. And this was causing her incredible, incredible pain. And I have seen this in so many women. And so I would say for a lot of women, every woman I know, every purpose-driven woman I know, she does not want more money for a bigger house. She wants more money to be able to do more for the people she loves and then as an extension for her community. So when you hear that, what would you what would you say to that? If you really truly want to give more abundantly, you give from yourself. There's money out there everywhere. I run a nonprofit right now, and it's not the money that comes in. It's not when I go out and seek money from others that I'm fulfilling a purpose. It's when I'm giving of my true and authentic self. Because guess what? There's only one of you. There's billions of dollars out there. So this woman who's struggling with giving more abundantly, I would challenge her to consider giving from her her spirit. And if she really needs money, it's not that she needs to possess more to give more. It's that she should focus on getting somebody else who has it to give it. So she just needs to change her perspective. That would be my advice to her. Just change her perspective a little bit. Um, Mm. Giving from yourself 
is the most way to give abundantly, the best way to give abundantly. So that's such a good um, a good point. So let's switch gears and talk about what you're doing because I think there's some misunderstanding on who can participate in this quote unquote women's movement or sh- who should or when. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how if people are feeling called to your mission and one, can you just talk about what your mission is and then how can they participate with you? Absolutely. This is a fabulous question. Um, So we are focusing on breaking down the gender barriers. This includes breaking down the current culture of toxic masculinity. That means we must have men at the table. We want to talk to you men. We want you to march next to us. You know, I'm a single lady. When I march, I'm looking around, you know? (laughs) You spend a lot of time doing this. If you're going to meet someone, it's going to be there. But what we're doing as a company, Women's March Alliance, as a nonprofit, we're we're creating that space to incubate change. We're creating a safe space for men and women, conservative and liberal, to come to the table and have a decent conversation, an honest conversation about what it means to be woman, what it means to be man, and how we marry the two so that we have a happier future as a country. We have a more successful future as a country. We have a more productive economically, socially, and politically future as a country. You know, studies show that anytime there's a woman at the table at a company, that company is 30% more successful. So we have to come together. And it's important to me that we have both men and women at the table. In the 60s and the 70s, you know, women needed their own space on their own time. Now it's different. Now we, Women's March Alliance, are calling men to the table. We're saying, please join us. We need you. And, you know, you hit on something a little, I think, a bit more subtle in this discussion, too, because I do think there's a belief that this is a women's thing, right? And it's not. And we can have a whole other discussion about the way my nieces laid into my husband and his brother about what their role is <laughs> in the growth of this movement because they are pretty traditional white males. But you mentioned something that I want to go to because I know that you, you when we were talking earlier, you said you're a conservative or you were a conservative, which I find fascinating because I myself grew up a conservative Republican Most people find that shocking. They assume that if you're slightly woo-woo and you're a coach, that you're like far left liberal, and I'm not. And I think beyond the man-woman discussion, I think there's this idea that conservatives are not part of this movement, or at least that's, that's what I feel like I hear. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. And that's been a big concern of mine. So I, I am a conservative woman. I, I did want to be a nun. I, I was born in Chicago. I grew up in Florida. I spent about a decade in St. Louis, very conservative, conservative areas. Um, and for me, being a conservative in myself, in my family is very, very different. Being a conservative in my community is very different than what the media portrays a conservative to be. And that's the same for liberals. And what we as humans, as as Americans need to do is challenge what the media is feeding us on how we define conservative and liberal. Because if you look at the general American and you ask them bluntly, 
Do you support equality for women? Doesn't matter what end of the spectrum they're on, they're going to say yes. So where is this divide? Where is this breakup where we're saying, ah, if you're a conservative, you're you know, evil over there, you don't support equal rights or civil rights. That's not true. And where, where is it saying in the, in, in the reality of our day-to-day -day lives that if you're a liberal, oh, you want to steal all the money from the people that work hard? That's not true. So I think that we as Americans have a, a duty to challenge what is being fed to us from the media to challenge the definition of conservative and liberal. Um, my definition of conservative is um, to believe or to have this belief that every individual can without a massive um, amount of social services. Whereas the, the more liberal side believe in, in, in a heavier amount of social services. Um, but that's, not, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and I, I think, um... What I find fascinating about the way the media portrays it is it's this um there's this igniting of division with the way that it's messaged. It you know that the more we polarize each other on our beliefs, the more the media succeeds. And I don't really understand why that is, you know, why any of us would buy into watching something that makes us feel hate, anger, fear, and yet Every day it's happening. It's tangible. Fear is tangible. Yeah. It's tangible. And lo love is not, you know, happiness is not tangible. So people want to feel and hang on to something and they hang on to fear. They hang on to, to something that's tangible. And, and, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking about this on my walk this morning before we hopped on here. And my thought was that because we are human and we have this like little bit of fear that's fed from, you know, from the moment we don't get our needs met the first time, right? Fear emerges. And so because there's this fear inside of us, and I talk about this, like, you know, it comes from the amygdala and it's really just about reprogramming the brain, but because it's there and it's sort of there without an attachment, it's like our brain wants to find the thing to attach it to. So it feels like, if I can figure out what to be afraid of, then I can start to control it. And then I can take action and then I feel safer. Ah, control. That's an excellent word. I would say that's that's absolutely excellent. Um, I'm going to go back to a point you said earlier, if I may, just to highlight what we're talking about. Um, when I started doing the Women's March in 2016, I was getting calls from all sorts of media and th they would say, this is an anti-Trump movement. And I would say, no, this is a pro-women's movement. And time and again, reporters and journalists would come back and say, if I don't put anti-Trump in the title, no one's going to read it. Mm. That's a problem because that yeah. hits on the point you made earlier that conservatives don't feel welcome. They are welcome. And I'm telling you, in this podcast, I'm breaking down that lie that conservatives and liberals cannot come together in peace. Yes, we can. I am a conservative leading a progressive movement. We can come together. And my mind's going in so many different directions. I mean, part of me is like, you have to go back and ask her about being a nun, but I'm going to put a pin in that for a second. Because I think what you're talking about is so important. And it's something that I have felt, I, I didn't realize it until I just started talking to you, how conflicted I felt about this because I do see, having been raised by conservatives, 
and I wouldn't consider myself a conservative. I would really consider myself at this point a moderate, but by no means a liberal, that there's this idea of in this country because of the media maybe and because of just our our need to like simplify things and polarize them, we've lost the ability to be with each other and have separate ideas. And that to me seems very dangerous. Oh yeah. We have lost the ability to respect each other, especially with social media, because now you, anybody who's kind, sweet can become a bully. The moment they start commenting on something in in private, they can be autonomous. They can be writing this hate message on somebody's Facebook page and nobody knows who they are. And it's a type of release because we're frustrated about our lives. But that is a loss of respect. And that loss of respect is the beginning of the deterioration of our social structure here in the United States. Oh, I love that you said that. And I do, you know, I think Facebook has been amazing. Social media has been amazing for certain things. You know, I think they've they've allowed me to connect to people I lost track of. They've allowed me to find out things about my family in Ireland that I wouldn't know or stay, you know, stay connected. But it has also allowed for this dumping ground. And as someone who doesn't practice based on my master's in psych, but knows some stuff about it, I the thing that I find most disturbing is that when we're not processing our emotions in a healthy way, they can really make ugliness quickly. And it, to me, it feels like Facebook is used as this almost this like emotional processing forum. And that's not what it is. And so all of a sudden you jump into Facebook, you're jumping into the middle of people processing their shit in in a way that is not appropriate and not healthy. And suddenly it's become free reign for me to, I'm angry, so I'm going to just take it out on you when we would never treat each other like that in person. Right. And I think the question I, I'm finding right <laughs> right now as I walk down this path with you is, what I found at the Women's March, though, is all of the sudden, I'm going to start crying. You you have this different experience of what's actually real and true because you're with actual human beings. And maybe you could speak a little bit to that. Absolutely. I love the fact that you got emotional right there. I was just speaking with a a young woman who was saying she struggles with not expressing her emotions because we live in a society where women are said to be hysterical. We're human. Allow yourself to be emotional. That's what separates you from a machine. Honor your emotion. Honor the fact that you almost started crying. I love that. That just touched my soul right there. So I just want to take a moment and say I honor that you had that emotion. Mm. I want to also- Thanks. Well, as we get to know each other, you'll know I curse and I cry like all the time, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> well, to somebody who's listening who doesn't, I encourage you to allow yourself to be human. I do want to I do want to mention that you you said uh, we're talking about removing the veil. That's what the women's marches are about. And I think the most disheartening thing um, in my family is I'm I'm probably one of the only family members that did not vote for Trump. And so when I started these women's movements, there were family members that wouldn't talk to me. They they, they wanted to believe the media because it's shocking to believe that the media would lie to you, right? They didn't attend the women's marches. They thought these were anti-Trump movements. But then 
on the second year after hearing my story when family members who voted Trump, who are a lot more conservative than I am, attended the marches, it opened their mind. They felt the way you felt that, wow, this isn't an angry, hateful, chain yourselves to buildings protest. This is humans coming together for a common cause, and that is simply equality. So I love that we are lifting the veil. That's what the Women's March is about, lifting the veil off of this ugly monster of division so that we can see that actually as a country, we are more unified than the media portrays. Mm, that's beautiful. So um, my, I have a son and a daughter, and my daughter is a very pro-women, in fact, she did. She came by it naturally. She came by it from a place of just pure, pure awareness. And we were. She was little, and she was dancing to something. And and somehow on the TV or her voice, she just said, "Women rock." And I was like, "Yes, they do." And then all of a sudden, her face fell, and she was like, "But they don't really, Mom, right?" Because God and Jesus are both men, oh. and if women really rocked, then God and Jesus, one of them would have been a woman, right? And so we had to have a very long journey in understanding how our images came to be. And so I've been able to have a really rich conversation with her about this through the years. She was five at the time and she's 11 now, but I have a son. So he's a white male. He has pretty traditional looking features and he plays football and you know he's kind of standard issue not i mean of course he's very special because he's mine <laughs> but um do you have what's your thoughts on how to talk to our young boys uh, and of course i'm not saying white versus you know all minority races or all different colors of people it's you know it's an issue across the board white versus i mean uh, men versus women. But I think specifically for white men who do come into the world with more privilege than most, there's there's a unique um, need to mentor them in a thought process that will make them behave differently in the future. Or at least that's my thought. I don't know. I'm still kind of mixed up in all of this because I'm still raising him. What's your thought on it? And so I, I want to go back to God and, and being called God, he and, and him and whatnot. Um, I've been really trying to make a conscious effort to say God self instead of himself, to say God instead of he or him, because God is not a gender. The purpose of a gender is reproduction, right? Mm. So God, God is not a gender. God is gender neutral. Yes. I just want to say I make a conscious effort to say God self instead of himself and God instead of he. Um, and that's actually something that came from the 60s and the 70s, the women's movement there. And that's that's a shock because we're so used to saying he and him because who were the leaders of the church? Men. Not anymore. We're changing that. Mm-hmm. When we talk about our children. We talk about the younger men. I have, you know, I'm, a, I'm an aunt of seven um, and six, actually. I don't know where. I guess my, my brother may be expecting one, so it would be seven eventually. But what we're, we're talking about is not having the conversation with boys and thinking that's enough. We as women and fathers and men in society have to show men how to be men. We have to show boys 
how to be inclusive of women. And what's more important is we have to show them by treating our daughters as equal to men. If you're sitting there talking to your daughter and you're saying, oh, be sweet and kind, and then you turn to your son and you say, go get him, boy. You are showing your son, you are teaching them that there's a difference in the gender. So it's, it's mm. not just the way we talk to men. It's not just the way we talk to our boys. It's the way we talk to our girls. And it's the way, more importantly, it's the way we show them through our actions how to be. Mm. I love that answer. So... What, Catherine, you've, you've made some pretty big sacrifices. We didn't talk about it. Well, what would traditionally be called sacrifices. I mean, you left a, a very successful career in banking to start something that, by, by all intents and purposes, doesn't pay that well right now. What, um, not in dollars. I know it pays well in spirit. So tell me, for you, what do you believe your purpose is? Mm, so... I think purpose is this fabricated notion that Hollywood and self-help books have pushed on us, right? Um, we don't have a single solitary purpose. We have multiple purposes, if you will. And as we move through life, we continue to hit on each of these purposes where we're needed in that moment, where our skill set best fits in that moment. So as we move through life, we have purposes. Maybe hosting the Women's March was one of those purposes. Maybe, you know, wanting to be a nun as a young child had a purpose. Maybe these little things that I'm doing throughout my life have, are my purpose. Well, maybe being a mother, maybe being a teacher, maybe those are your purpose. So I think I, I, I want you to just throw out this idea that we have one single purpose and we need to find that one single purpose. What a weight on our shoulder. How are we ever going to find the one single thing? We're not because we don't have a single purpose. We have multiple. And if we are open to God and open to the universe, whichever you believe, the universe and or God will use you in a moment to fulfill its need. Mm. So, because I like clean answers, can we say then that your purpose is to show up as you in the fullest and allow God or source or the universe to work through you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause that's, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, I do have a purpose. I think my purpose is to make sure that people understand that they're not alone on this planet and like everything else I do I, is done as an, as a, as a uh, expression of that. Right. When I was in banking, it took me a long time to figure out that was my purpose, but I was still in banking for another six years after knowing that and lived a very fulfilling career there. You know, it's weird that we're both in banking because I didn't want to be a nun, but I did want to be a missionary. <laughs> so Catherine, your our, our alignments are freaking me out, Human man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to ask the last question I ask everyone, and then I want you to just give any last thoughts on how people can support, you know, what you're doing or something similar where they live. And or maybe what you're doing does expand to where they live. So, you know, for someone who is, who really does feel, you know, called to create wealth, both in the monetary sense and the spiritual sense, and to do it in a way that feels like they're living on purpose, what's one piece of advice you'd have for them? Uh, my advice for somebody who, who is acquiring a lot of wealth 
um, is don't get caught up in guilt. Being wealthy mm. is not something to be ashamed of. If you're greedy, now that's something to be ashamed of. But simply being wealthy is not something to be to be ashamed of or to hide. And so get rid of any guilt that you may feel. Just because you have money doesn't mean you're not meeting your purpose. And it doesn't mean you're greedy. It just means you're, you have money. Just take it as it is. Nice. Nice. So what, um, what last thoughts do you, would you like to leave the listeners with her? Cause I know some people, I know the women listening to this and I know they're going to be like, how can I help? How can I be a part of this? So what's, and, and I, I hope there's a lot of men listening to this, but based on our data, I will tell you the majority of people listening to this are women. So what's, um, what can they do to support you, to support the mission, to participate? There's a number of things, right? For obviously, we're a nonprofit, um, and so you know, donations are fabulous. You can go to our website, womensmarchalliance.org, um, to help there. But what you can do as an individual in your community is to help us end the suffering in silence. Women suffer in silence more than men, and now we're seeing men coming out saying, "No, me too. I am suffering in, in silence." So what you can do that may not feel like a big impact, but is a massive impact is to start having the conversation wherever you are. Start talking to people in your family, in your community, create a consciousness raising group of people that feel they want to share their voice. Having those conversations, facilitating those conversations and being honest with your experiences is the best way to change our society right now. We have to start opening our mouth. We have to start communicating. Oh, so good. So I'm going to be at the Women's March. For those of you who uh, would like to join me and Catherine, it's on January 19th, 2019. And um, Catherine, do you have a quick um, way to tell people where to find it? We can put the link to the Facebook event in the show notes, but is there like a direct link to get data or info on that? Yeah, absolutely. You can either email us at info at womensmarchalliance.org, or you can go to our website, womensmarchalliance.org and get all the details you need right there. Awesome. Awesome. Any last words? Uh, yes, we can. <laughs> How about that? Yes, we can. <laughs> Awesome. Well, on today, which, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, election day and we're still awaiting the results. I just want to say thank you for being one of those people who are showing up so fully because we all benefit for that. So thank you, Catherine. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, girl. My pleasure. All right, everyone. So those um, links that Catherine mentioned, we will put in the show notes. And, you know, in the outro that's pre-recorded, everyone, <laughs> it talks about sharing this podcast for someone that needs to hear it. And I would just say, I there is really no one that doesn't need to hear this particular podcast. And I've never said that before. Please, please, please post this share it, give it to someone, especially a lovely man in your life, and let them see what Catherine's doing and what she had to say, because I think she just broke down so many stereotypes we have about what this is about. And, and that is the beginning of the healing that we all need. So thank you, Catherine. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Purpose Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. 
And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us. It fills my heart when I read a review and helps us reach many more people. So thank you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.